I would so much like for all of you and all of all beings everywhere to to discover the the compelling nature of the living present the alive present so different than the past and future which are mental but in order to discover the compelling present it's necessary to slow down a little bit as you probably feel a little bit when you come here it, it may feel like may feel as though you're screeching to a halt after a certain kind of momentum but I think we have to slow down enough to notice what's happening here. What's happening here in the room, what's happening in our body, what's happening in our mind, what's happening as, our, as we breathe. And if we are able, any human being is able to slow down a little bit, what we notice is uh, we notice more we just notice more of what's happening if if i slow down a little bit i notice more of what's happening both externally we call it external mindfulness and i notice what's happening more internal internal mindfulness and if I notice what is happening in real time, internally and externally, the more I notice, the more interesting it becomes. And if I haven't noticed, I won't have a lot of interest about what's going on here. But if I notice more, it becomes more interesting. And if it becomes more interesting, it becomes more compelling. And if it becomes really compelling to live in the only place that we can find reality, which is right where we're actually sitting right now, if it becomes really compelling and really interesting, which I hope it will for you and all beings everywhere, then without telling you, without anyone having to tell you, you will not want to be anywhere else but the present moment. You will not want to be. You will not build your whole life around the vacation, around the Christmas break, or around the next weekend. You will not build your life around the carrot, the end of the rainbow, whatever it is that that point in time where you think that you'll be able to rest, be happy, satisfied, complete, sufficient. You won't need it. 
you will realize that you have everything you need right where you are. But unless you slow down a little bit, you just won't notice. And if you don't notice, you won't be that interested. And if you're not that interested, present will not be that, that compelling. Now, I think everyone in their heart of hearts would like to rest, would like to slow down and, and find peace right where they are. Don't you think if somebody was given a choice, wouldn't they rather not be on a treadmill of endlessly waiting for a future that never arrives? Don't you think anyone would want to step off that, that treadmill, that flywheel, that gerbil wheel? Anybody with any love for themselves would not want to be in a state of endless wandering. As you know, the Buddha was asked, can you, can you reach the end of the world by going? And he said, no, you can't reach the end of the world by going. But he said, only those who reach the end of the world become free. And it turns out the end of the world, the world of me making and my making and the endless world of time ends right where we're sitting. We step right out of, we step, step right off of the treadmill every moment that we just look around, see each other. I meant to, I meant to encourage looking around and seeing each other again. We started last week doing a little meet and greet. You know, you might as well look at your neighbor right now. It's amazing that you're all here. Maybe we won't have the big conversation this week, but but if you notice your neighbor, <laughs> you'll likely become a little bit interested, <laughs> or you'll notice more. <laughs> and if you notice more, you'll become more interested. If you're more interested, you you will feel more juice for being right with that person, right in this room where you are. But if you miss it. You'll be waiting till the end of my talk for your, for your relief. <laughs> you may anyway. <laughs> so I would like everyone at some point in the span of your life and hopefully not wait, waste or wait a single moment to, to stop, as Rumi put it, stop running from silence. He says you're covered with a thick cloud. Slide out the side and die already to the present. Your old life was an endless running from silence. Sense what it's like when you stop. And if there was ever a time of the year that just screams out, stop. I was talking to Noemi, I'm gonna out her, I often do. <laughs> She says, I feel like staying home. I'm a grizzly bear. It's time to hibernate. And it is weird that, that I'm one of the lone, or, you know, or people like me, or, or spiritual teachings or whatever, are the voice, they're few and far between voices saying, hey, this, time, this is not the time of year to grow, 
to become, to conquer the world, to shop till you drop. This is the time of year everything speaks of our nature, everything speaks of slowing down, look around, chill out. This is not a time of growth. It's a time of, re time of replenishment. A time where the seeds are dormant. It's a, not a time that we know what to do and have to figure out what to do about anything. This is the time that we yield. We yield to our receptive nature, our more at risk of offending somebody, our feminine nature. not the time to go to battle. Every cell of our body, if we listen enough, says, I want to sleep. <laughs> Somebody asked me, is it okay for, if I'm dull? You know, because normally, you know, in the, in the mind of the yogi who's, who's practicing with their hair on fire, which has its moments, then dullness is the enemy of, of mindfulness. But dullness this time of the year is, is a sign that maybe, maybe your energy and effort has gotten imbalanced. You have, if usually there's two things that, that um, give rise to, in meditation practice, that give rise to, to dullness is greed in the mind, trying to make something happen. Any of you relate to that, trying to make something happen? It's a cause of exhaustion, straining. Well, of course, the reverse is also true, resisting life, trying to get away from it. But we, and we devote a lot of energy for both, getting somewhere and getting away. So sometimes that dullness says, that comes with the season says, okay, I've worked hard enough trying to figure it out, trying to get somewhere, trying to get away from things. Let me come home. And I'm not going to judge myself one bit from getting, for getting myself so worn out. It's not my fault. This is systemic. My emotions, my mental states are a reflection of my community. I'm not gonna I'm not just going to to slough it off on my community, but it's not I'm not alone in this. I have within me all of the of the cultural conditioning, the cultural methodology for finding happiness and well being. And it's mostly about all the things that lead away from the truth of where we find it and all the things that make it hard for us to even believe anymore that we can be happy and content and nourished. And so because of our cultural conditioning and the and our lack of training at 
stopping. There's a vicious cycle that has ensued in, I think, all of our lives where we've abandoned so much this simple present time and its passion and its compelling nature. We've abandoned it so many times that our, our, we've become a little bit disembodied, out of touch, not exactly attuned to real time, consequently not exactly tuned to our body. And so when there is upset that arises, as inevitably it will in the living present, there's joy and sorrow, pleasure, pain, gain, loss, fame, shame. You know, the, all the polarities of life show up here. We don't know how to handle them. We don't know how to say, oh, this, I only have to handle a moment of this at a time because that's all I have. We don't know how to do that. So our body that's already frozen in having been abandoned by the dream of the golden dream of what's next, already frozen, just compound, gets compounded by, by reactivity, by aversion to what what's difficult to bear and trying to hold on to things that are happening that may be fleetingly pleasant and both of those reactions of grasping and aversion just intensify the tension, the inner and the inner tension, the physical tension, the mental tension and our mind then just gets habituated to trying to get away from that. So it does take uh, a willingness and I also think it takes some good company. It takes hanging out with other people that, that help you slow down a little bit. You know, it's a, it, just think if you would have gone home and sat tonight. Oh, it, it may have been wonderful. I, I should say it wouldn't be wonderful, but there is such a such a supportive womb of practicing with other people, just a kind of lifting, a holding, holding us here, that uh, it's a little more difficult at home. It's very easy to get restless after about 10 minutes at home, after you've worked or whatever, or get really tired, or, or just easily succumb to your to-do list. Here, there's nothing else to do but discover the compelling nature of the present moment and end our, end our suffering at least for a moment and then another moment because it seems that living with a certain kind of mindful attention in the present moment that that moment of mindful attention is regardless of what was just happening a moment before but that little moment of mindful attention is uh, it doesn't have a lot of suffering in it and it doesn't have a lot of identity in it the identity of the sufferer it doesn't have 
much identity of insufficiency. It doesn't have much identity of dissatisfaction. It's just a simple moment. So I always like to ask us, you know, what's it like when you're just sitting, just hearing these words, just feeling the mood that's present, or even if it's a heavy mood, when you're just with that, so much of the, the drama of our life is, is in abeyance for a moment. And our practice is to just expand that gap of, between dramas. Gap between our last suffering moment and the next one. Until there's, we actually can live our lives not with, without the inherent stress of all the things that are hard to bear, but without the extra mental suffering. It's very optional. That we don't have to stay in that certain prison of reactivity. We do not have to do that. Why that same roomy spirit that he, he says, die. Your old life is a running from silence. He says, why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? Come out of that tangle of, of fear, thinking, and drama. Live in silence. So you don't have to turn silence into this big thing. It's just a moment of noticing. It's noticing a silence. Noticing, even noticing the noise of your mind. The noticing is silent. We don't want to miss that. And this time of year, it's just calling us to stop and to replenish. As Pablo Neruda said in his poem called Keeping Quiet, now we will count to 12 and we will all keep still. For once on the face of the earth, let's not speak in any language. Let's stop for one second and not move our arms so much. It would be an exotic moment without rush, without engines. We would all be together in a sudden strangeness. Fishermen in the cold sea would not harm whales, and the man gathering salt would look at his hurt hands. Those who prepare green wars with gas, wars with fire, victories with no survivors, would put on clean clothes and walk about with their brother in the shade, doing nothing. What I want would not be con should not be confused with total inactivity. Life is what it's about. I want no truck with death. If we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving and for once could do nothing, perhaps a huge silence might interrupt this sadness of never understanding ourselves. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
and of threatening ourselves with death. Perhaps the earth can teach us as when everything seems dead and later proves to be alive. Now I'll count to t up to 12 and you keep quiet and I will go. So that's why I was so thankful tonight that you came, you offered your presence for the support of all of us stopping, keep quiet, keeping quiet, not swinging our arms so much, not having our lives, at least for these moments, so single-mindedly rushing toward that, that imaginary future and overshooting, overlooking this the natural peace and ease that is available to us as the natural peace and ease of our own nature when we're not searching for it elsewhere. But, you know, we, we do have, we all, you know, I don't assume everyone can go home and hibernate for the rest of the winter. But I think we can be a little bit more judicious about keeping our consciousness attuned to what nature is up to. These are the dark months. You don't have to be compulsive in your doing and in your shopping. And in your For once, let the world adjust to you if to, to the extent that you can. And even when you're walking about and even when you're doing the things that you have to do for your livelihood, or for your family, there are just so many, 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 many thousands of mind moments that can, that where you can step off the wheel. It's totally accessible. I've, this is only the second time I've announced this, but um, I've just completed a, a small book that is already in, on pre-order on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and will be, you know, in bookstores and stuff. But it's the reason I'm talking about it is not to tout my book. You should. I will, and I'll ha ask you to as well. But, but. The book's called Invitation to Meditation. And it's really for everyone, but especially for people that don't know anything about anything. But what I tried to do in this, in this little book was to point out that meditation is not getting into some deep state. I mean, that's one kind of part of meditation. But meditation is really that quality of attention that can follow you wherever you go, just knowing what you're doing when you're doing it and that it's so accessible and that it's just a matter of attuning to the only reality that we have and not miss it. As Dana Falls, please forgive me if I read this last week, in her poem called Walking, Walk Slowly. So we may still have our to-do lists and have to do things and be places but it only takes, as she says, it only takes a reminder to breathe, a moment to be still. And just like that, 
something inside me settles, softens, makes space for imperfection. The harsh voice of judgment drops to a whisper, and I remember again that life isn't a relay race, that we all cross the finish line, that waking up to life is what we are born for, what we were born for. As many times as I forget to catch myself charging forward without even knowing where I'm going, that many times I can make the choice to stop, to breathe, to be, and walk slowly into the mystery. We really do need to learn how to live in the mystery. And these dark months, uh, these, these times of replenishment, nourishment, it's just such an obvious condition of not knowing of what will come next. It's a condition of seeing that the, the past is gone, the future unborn. And so it's, a, it's an opening to not knowing, to don't know. And this is really the natural state of our mind, the freedom, a kind of state of freedom to discover. But somehow our little ego mind wants to figure it all out has to work in, on overdrive. And it just makes us miserable. So this is a great time. It's, it's, it's safe, actually. It's okay to experiment during this time of year, as, along with all the other animals. We're going to slow down. And you don't know. And then see how life moves you. We've been moved by life from the beginning. You think you asked to be born? <laughs> that always seems funny to me. It's just, it's not your fault. <laughs> Conditions came together. Life moved in strange ways. A little sparkle in two people's eyes and one thing led to another. And then, you know, that sparkle wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for a thousand, billion, billion other sparks that lit when people connected. But you could be sure that that connection that was made was one of those rare moments where people were present. And then life took off. So it does not happen we don't have that spark unless we slow down a little bit. See our fellow sparks. <laughs> so, so accessible, the spark of life and the meaning of it. It's so self-evident. So busy looking for it other places. I can't think of anything more meaningful than just hanging out with you right now. Not because we're accomplishing something extraordinary. Maybe we are. Maybe that's accomplishing the ordinary is the most extraordinary. 
why it's called an open secret. It's right here, but... So this is the time for a little where nothing is okay to put back in our vocabulary. As Amy Krauss Rosenthal reminds us that our answer to almost every question usually is when asked, how have you been? What do we say? Busy. How's work? Busy. How was your week? Good. Busy. You name the question, busy is the answer. Yes, yes, I know we're all terribly busy, doing terribly important things, but I think more often, more often than not, busy is simply the most acceptable knee-jerk response. Certainly there are more interesting, more original, more accurate ways to answer the question, how are you? I'm hungry for a burrito. I'm envious of my best friend. I'm frustrated by everything that's broken in my home. I'm itchy. Yet, busy stands alone as the easiest way of summarizing all that you do and all that you are. I'm busy is the short way of saying, implying my time is filled, my phone does not stop ringing, and you, therefore, should think well of me. <laughs> Have people always been this busy? Did cavemen think they were busy too? This week is crazy. I've got about 10 caves to draw on. Can I meet you by the fire next week? I have a hunch that there is a direct correlation between the advent of coffee bars and the increase of busyness. Look at us. We're all pros now at hailing cabs, making copies, carpooling, performing surgery with a to-go cup in hand. We're skittering about like hyperactive gerbils, I'm not just on caffeine, but on caffeine's luscious byproduct productivity. Ah, the joy of doing, accomplishing, crossing off. As kids, our stock answer to almost every question, what did you do at school today? What's new? Nothing. In our country's history, there have been exactly seven kids who responded with a statement other than nothing. <laughs> and then somewhere on the way to adulthood, we each took a 180 degree turn. We cashed in our nothing for busy. I'm starting to think that like youth, the word nothing is wasted on the young. Maybe we should try reintroducing it into our grown-up vernacular. Nothing. I say it a few times. I can feel myself becoming more quiet, decaffeinated, zenish. Nothing. Now I'm picturing emptiness, a white blanket, a couple of ducks on a still pond, nothing, nothing, nothing. How did I get so far away from it? So nothing, a little more nothing, and a little mindfulness. Just knowing what you're doing when you're doing it. Mindful of walking, mindful of sitting, mindfulness of eating, mindfulness of drinking, mindfulness of seeing your neighbors. 
just simple attention. It's the same as nothing. And it clears the dust of memory. It opens us to the, the mystery. It heals our reactivity. It opens our heart to its responsive qualities, its compassion and caring, its joy. And it, it meets, because its quality is non-reactive and immovable, it brings us the capacity to be with the joys and the sorrows. So more mindfulness and more nothing and we should be okay this year. Words of Nosho Ken Rinpoche to end this evening. It, it, it does contain graphic language, so if any of you are PG, close your ears. This is called the, the Mirror of Mindfulness. Homage to the, to the self-arising mindfulness, to the natural mindfulness. I am the I am the voice of mindfulness. Look, friends, when seeing me, be mindful. I am the mirror of mindfulness. I mirror your careful attention. Look clearly and see into your essence. Mindfulness is the root of dharma, truth of nature. Mindfulness is the body of practice. Mindfulness is the fortress of the mind. Mindfulness is the friend of aware wisdom. Mindfulness is the support of all the traditions. Lack of mindfulness will allow the negative forces to overcome you. Without mindfulness, you will be swept away by laziness. Lack of mindfulness is the creator of evil deeds. Lack of mindfulness can accomplish nothing. Lack of mindfulness is a pile of shit. Without mindfulness, you sleep in an ocean of piss. Without mindfulness, you are a heartless corpse. Friends, please be mindful. <laughs> By the aspiration of the, the gurus, the buddhas, the bodhisattvas, the lineage holders, may all friends attain stable mindfulness. These are the words composed by the stupid ox with the buck teeth, the bad monk Jamye Dorje, and offered to his friends with the eyes of the Dharma. So may all of us attain stable mindfulness. <laughs> may all of us slow down a little bit. May all beings, including ourselves, find the compelling nature of the present moment. And so much so that you Stop wanting to be somewhere else. May all beings be liberated. May our practice today and every day be dedicated to the health, wealth, happiness, joy, peace of all beings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash
donate.